Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to a brand new season of the Attacking Scrum podcast where Welsh rugby matters. If you love your Welsh rugby, then this is the place for you. My name is Jed and I'm your host once again this season in a season that starts with Wales reaching number one in the world and we're just one month away from Rugby World Cup in Japan. Joining me after a rigorous and no doubt intensive pre-season is my regular co-host, the King of Cowbridge, rocking the most outrageous pair of Hawaiian shorts, even though it's pissing it down outside. Daniel Killick, how are you? Very good, Jed. Yeah, had a good, uh, good pre-season. Lost a stone. Did you really? Yeah, you got, when I spoke to you, yeah. it sounded like you've been putting yourself, putting yourself through the paces, yeah. not, not ruling out a, a call-up for Wales at that troublesome position outside half. Outside half, yeah. Still waiting for that. But um, <laughs> yeah, no, good. It's been nice to have a bit of time off, hasn't it? But really looking forward to getting stuck in now. I am, and it helps it does. off the back of a victory, doesn't it? Oh, so much better. I think we've been a bit spoiled as well, having, you know, when was the, the last Wales defeat that we were on air for would have been, God, it would have Can't been... Can't <laughs> England game, no, the Ireland game in 2018. Yeah. That was the last game, that was the last game we lost, so... it's a pretty good run. That's a pretty good run, isn't it? Yeah, things were very, very different then, and... Yeah. But no shortage of stuff for us to get stuck into. And we've got loads of amazingly exciting stuff coming up throughout this season. Uh, starting this week, in fact, we've got a special with Ross Harris coming out later this week. We spoke to him about uh, his fantastic new book, Behind the Dragon, which is all about playing for Wales. And we'll give you a chance to win a signed copy of that too. So if you don't follow us already on Twitter, make sure you do that at Attacking Scrum. Hoping to have a mini Rugby World Cup documentary lined up for you just in time for the big kickoff. And we've also got a massive name lined up, probably the biggest guest we've ever had on the Attacking Scrum. So make sure you like, subscribe and review on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. 
One quick thank you before we get underway. And again, this season we are very proud to be sponsored by our good pals over at So Coffee Trades. And it's going to be a long season where we're producing a lot of content. So we'll no doubt be in need of a little pick-me-up every now and again. And if you are a coffee lover, make sure you head over to socoffeetrades.co.uk in order to get your hands on some great stuff. So we're going to get underway in a minute, Dan. Just quickly before we do that, I know we were both in the same boat yesterday in terms of having to avoid the result and then watch the game back line. Both successfully managed to do that, though. Do you like the added adrenaline that brings? No, I'd rather I'd rather watch it, um, you know, at live time. But because mm. um, it's just so the slightest little thing, can't it can throw you off? So it's yeah, it's really tricky. I, I was at a I took the girls to um, a festival, yeah, um, and just yeah, literally stayed away from stayed away from all, all all social media. But then anyone you walk past, you're a little bit wary of you know that person looks like a rug, you know. And then you, you, you're just wary, aren't you? Are they going to announce it? Or you know, the the, the thing is with England, you can, uh, you know, a lot of times you, you wouldn't know it. Yeah. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. You know, no one knows the you know game of rugby's on, do they? So well, it's true. Getting... But yeah, all right. I mean, I was I was an absolute wreck yesterday. Coming back from all over the shop. Coming back from holiday in Spain, managed to watch the first game, the one at Twickenham via an iPad connection, which just about worked. And then yeah, yesterday was a question of avoiding the result the whole day. We had to so we had to be out of out of our accommodation at ten and then our flight was at eight. And there was no way of though by the time we had to get we had to get the car back to the hotel uh, sorry to the airport by four. So there was just no way of watching the game so I knew I just had to avoid it. And I, yeah, I was just a wreck by the end of it. You know, I couldn't speak to my in laws. I can uh, imagine you having noise cancellations. I, did, I, were, I didn't have noise cancellations <laughs> but I had I had music and podcasts on the whole time I was in the airport and thereafter and when we got to the baggage carousel, there was a bloke in an England rugby shirt, like one of those cotton trader ones. I was like, oh God, I couldn't even look at him. In case, not that he'd have a clue that I even liked rugby, but yeah, just, head that. just didn't want to see. Just yeah, did not want no to see. And so, but yeah, by the time we got back to our car, I was just, I was delighted. I thought, right, we're in the clear now. And uh, yeah, beautiful thing. And the fact we got the result was, yeah. was even better. Right, coming up later in the show, we're going to be doing listeners' questions. We've had plenty of uh, correspondence with our regular followers on Twitter, which is great. But first up, we're going to be doing a feature called Front 5. Regular listeners to the pod will remember Fact or Fiction, which we've done for the last couple of years. And we're just going to mix it up a little bit now. So rather than debating whether something's Fact or Fiction, we're just going to get our teeth stuck into the biggest five headlines of the week. Let's start with this one for you, Dan. Number one, does it matter to be world number one? Does it mean anything to you? Yeah, it does, really. I think you'd rather have it than not, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, there's, there's not a, I don't think there's a huge amount more in it than that, really. We, we, had a, we had a very, very good run, didn't we? And I think to get to that position, you have to be consistent, mm. and, which we have been. So there's a lot of, a lot of talk about, you know, doesn't, you know, we're not the best side in the, in the world and all these things. And, yeah, we're probably we're not, are we? But um, on that ranking system, which is all, all down to maths mm. and points, we are. So, and it's a good, it's a great achievement. I, th- I think it's a great achievement. It's a good thing when you consider that when Warren Gatland took over, Wales were 10th in the world. And to be honest, if we don't deserve to be number one now, I don't think we deserve to be number 10 at that point in time, having been dumped out of the World Cup in, mm. in 2007 by Fiji. And to have taken the side on that journey to to be ranked best in the world 
even if there is a matter for debate as to whether they are the best side in the world, which I think most people, probably this, the players themselves, would agree that they're not at that stage at the moment. I still think it's a fantastic thing. And you think back, you know, I guess any young Wales rugby fan will be pretty used to us winning, you know, whereas yeah. I think people, well, yes. of, people of our age and, and certainly those, yeah, those a bit older kind of grew up with with constant defeats and players going to play rugby league, sides getting dismantled because of that, changing coaches in the lead up to, to rugby world cups, things like that. So I think it's just it's a great thing to go, right, well this is this is where Wales are now. The fact that it's even a debate as to whether they're the best side in the world, whether those rankings mean anything or not. I th- I think it shows how far the team's come. I think it's great for Gatland as well, isn't yeah. it? With you know, him comes the end of his tenure as well and getting to that, that position. You could see from the players as well when it was mentioned to them, they didn't, you know, they, they, it doesn't, uh, they're, not, they're not thinking as well that we're the best side in, you know, we're the best side in the world, but it's a, it's a really good thing to have. I, I think you're right, and you could tell it was mentioned in Alan Jones's post-match speech where he spoke, uh, so I don't know which commentary you are, I watched the, the Channel 4 version. Yeah, I so saw he's, that. The, so he's been to Ross Harris. Not, not bad for... You know, yeah, three three, yeah, yeah, and but he, he was pretty straight bad. You can tell, you know, he's he's pleased with it, but it doesn't mean anything. The thing I would liken it to is, you know, like a bit of a comparison with different sports. I think it's like if you look at when Luke Donald was world number one golfer in the world, he's playing fantastic golf, mm. probably punching well above his weight, but he never landed a major title during that time. Now, would he trade? those weeks spent at world number one for even another shot at a major, yes, he would. And I think that's kind of the way you've got to think about it. It's a great thing to have, but it's no substitute for for silverware. And Wales have had their fair share of that in Six Nations, but I think all the focus now is on performing as best as they can at Rugby World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think we're both in agreement there, we, that it's a good, you know, you'd much rather have it than not. But, um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a, you know what we really want is that uh, is that World Cup, isn't it? That's what everyone wants. It is, I suppose. Something moving on to point number two now, which we didn't get a chance to cover last week because we didn't have a podcast, and that's the injury to Gareth Anscombe. Obviously, dominated a lot of headlines this week. We'll come on to Dan Bigger later on in the later on in the pod, but just sticking with Anscombe for the time being. How big a blow is that? It's a huge blow for us. Um, he's been integral, isn't he, to the way in which we've played. Um, Really got the backs moving in a in a slightly different way, I suppose, to some of the other you know the other tens we've had over the last last few years. Taking a bit of time, isn't it, to get mm. there? Found you know found some form, found some fitness as well, and um, yeah, it's a real it's it's a real hard one to take, isn't it? But we always knew there was going to be injuries, you know, especially with with the, with the Welsh. It's true, and we do have a. I don't know whether I just notice it more with Wales. But we do seem to have a horrible record in these World Cup warm-up games. I mean, oh, we four years ago, Halfpenny and Webb both getting injured in the same game was a real sickener. And, you know, a bit of a nothing, a nothing game because the I think the squad had even been announced by then and it should have just been going through the motions. And I was in the stadium that day and it was like a, a funeral atmosphere in there. You go back to, two, uh, to 2011 and Morgan Stoddart broke his leg in Twickenham, never played again. It was a nasty one. A really nasty one. And he was it, playing really well as well. Yeah, he? He, did, he did a fine season and you know would have been 
you know, would have been a, a starting figure in the back three for, for Wales, you'd imagine, if that hadn't have been the case. So it does feel like we have a bad record on this, but you have to play these games. You can't... I, I've seen a lot of chat, you know, on our on our Facebook group and people saying, oh, it's unnecessary, it's just about the money. And I think playing four games is excessive, but at the same time, you can't just pitch up in Japan and expect mm. to to go out and we know how slow starters yeah. Wales are anyway yeah. and that, that was on display again in Twickenham so let's get those yeah. bad games out of the way and it doesn't matter that's my thought on it and yeah. players, players can get injured yeah I found myself getting caught between you know you see the side and you think oh, you know because we we have got depth but we're still you know we're still light on we don't, we don't want to lose any of our key guys you think gosh is it worth risking these players so I found myself sort of going I'm not sure about this and then you think well hang on they haven't played in a long, long time. Mm. These two England games are the games are the games for us to you know to to go all out in. And after that, you know, wrap wrap a number of the guys up. There's still going to be some of them that are going to need to play and and you know and get some confidence because you know Gallon will be having a chat with them if they're not feeling mm. you know tip top and top of the world. They're gonna they're gonna want to get back out there, aren't they? Improve improve a point and just get mentally right as well. So yeah. Thinking about it, it, it's been the right thing to do, isn't it? Is go all out in these first two, and then we can experiment with the, you know, with these two island games now. Just moving away from the the Anscan point a little bit, then that performance at Twickenham does it particularly matter? What were your thoughts on that one, just quickly? Um, I didn't particularly enjoy that game. Mm. Yeah, we lost, but I thought it it it, it felt like. Um, I know there's no such thing as a friendly, but it didn't. It didn't have the intensity yeah. that, that, that certainly this weekend had for me. Um, and I know England, you know, dominated us. We, we we looked. We didn't look like we were at the races. I've got to be honest. We, we looked really mm. so quite half cooked. Um, apart from there was a, you know, I think it was probably three or four passenger plays where we we looked sharp. Um, and a good number of those involved Anscombe. To be fair, didn't they? Yeah, so, they did, and some nice stuff. Obviously, amazing try from Gareth Davis. I yeah, got the feeling. finish. I got the feeling that they hadn't picked up a ball in those six weeks, however long they've been training. I get the feeling it was, it's been such a torrid time of, of going through real hardcore physical trainers. We know Gatlin likes to do ahead of the major tournaments so that Wales will turn up and, and peak at the, at the right time and be the fittest side in the tournament. That's, that's what he's going for. I get the feeling that, that skills training and... And those kind of things have very much taken a back seat, and and it looked that way. You know, some very simple errors, Josh Allen knocking on simply, yeah. and, and things like that, just kind of made you think these are these are things that you'd expect them to iron out. Yeah. And it's just not ideal ironing them out, twicking them against your your biggest rivals. Yeah, it was like the basics for me that we forgot, like the you know the line speed, the collisions. We mm. we I think we were you know we can't have been any. We haven't got fitter in a week. We haven't got more powerful in a week. But we I think we just lost. The, you know, you, you need your line speed. You need to you need to be physically dominant against England, and you need your, you need your set piece to go as well as it can do. And we we kind of lost a bit of focus on that. I think we were just sort of a little bit um, a little bit wishy washy, and then that compact, and then you know they had a monster pack. And it, mm. once they get going, it's difficult it's difficult to stop them. And that was that was the game. I think the six day turnaround is an interesting thing too, because we'll we'll have a six day turnaround during Rugby World Cup, and I think that Gatlin likes to use these games. As scenario training, mm. you know, an opportunity to go out. I think so. And we've seen opportunities in the past where he's kept, actually, I think it might have been that game in 2011, he kept almost the starting 15 on the pitch yeah. throughout the whole time, with the exception of a few injury changes, in order to 
to push them that extra mile physically. And I get the feeling that this was a bit like that. So that you know virtually that same set of players went out six days after a tough game away. It's good training for them in order to get into that kind of environment and the you know go out there and, yeah. and play an intense game with that level of that level of fatigue. Yeah, you'll be able to pull on that, won't you, and say that we did it we did it before. Mm. And there were some you know, we you know, quickly drifted onto this weekend. You know, there was we were we were on the back foot for, for about 10, 12 minutes, weren't we? Yeah, we yeah. really dug in there and, and showed real grit and determination. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot, a lot of good points. There are. How important do you think it was for Wales to win this weekend? Very important for me. Um, and I think it was very important for the, for the whole of the Welsh setup as well. You could see that where, you know, Bigger was, bigger was staying on. There's a lot of people probably saying, you know, let's, let's get Bigger off. Yeah. But they, they trust him as well, don't they, to know if he's... Bigger doesn't want to miss the World Cup himself as well and if he said he's okay he's okay um, what happened the week before then because Anscombe got up and ran on he looked like he was trying to run off a ruptured ACL you know that just didn't that didn't that didn't sit right with me I, I feel like someone I don't know I don't know who's making who's making the call in that scenario but it certainly didn't help playing on no I mean I yeah it's um, <laughs> was it going through your mind then that maybe Bigger was do you know what it did? It looked like a stinger to me, straight yeah. up, without having any medical training. You just thought the way that he... You know what it's like with shoulder injuries? You get When you watch so much rugby, you get used to those telltale signs of what yeah. looks really bad. The minute that the, the shoulder is, is wrapped up in a shirt, you know that they're, they're in big, big trouble. The fact that you know you had the magic spray on it and they were kind of moving it around, you thought, right, this feels a bit like a stinger. And that that filled me with a bit more confidence. But I think you're right. Given what happened at Twickenham, they weren't going to take any any kind of risk if there was a serious injury at hand there. But it, it does raise an interesting point about how they're going to approach the the big games of Rugby World Cup and, and who is going to be that deputy coming off the bench. It's, it's hard to expect someone to go to go the full, you know, the full 80 week in, week yeah, out. Jared looked a bit nervous, didn't he, when they flicked, you think? When they flicked onto him? I don't know, it's probably I don't know. just I, the way... I don't, know. I, don't, I don't think he really shows nerves, Jared. I think he's that kind of yeah. player that he's... Yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's a very, very confident player and he's... I guess he's not... He's not maybe at that level of scrutiny yet. It's one thing doing it for the Blues. It's a different... You know, even in a... Yeah. You know, a Challenge Cup final. It's a different thing doing it when the the glare of the the national media is on you. I did expect him to have, you know, ten fifty. Did you? Didn't expect him to, to to have five. I must admit, but um, yeah, that that shows. I think that Gatland and 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 the rest of the coaching setup really wanted that win. Mm. I think it's a big one as well. Yeah, I do. I it, again, you know, I keep harking back to those previous warm up games in years gone by. Because I think they're quite a good comparison. And this one reminded me of the game in 2011 where we'd lost to England at Twickenham by a fairly, you know, fairly comfortable margin but had showed signs of playing well there. And then a week later or two weeks later or whatever it was, we went and got a win over, over the McCardiff. And it seemed to just add a lot more confidence to the outfit. And obviously from there went on and had a fantastic World Cup. So it, it felt important, I think. You, you wouldn't want to go into going to back-to-back games against Ireland with no wins under your belt and having to juggle your squad, I think it's important to get at least one win out of those four games and hopefully two and three will follow. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, mentioned a few things that went well. Line speed, I was particularly impressed with. 
Lineout was excellent too. Yeah, fifteen out of fifteen. Yeah, and it's not very, very good. It's not been something we've been able to say very often. Even when we've well, been winning Grand Slams, the, I mean, the lineout had been a concern. We were talking about bringing in, you know, a lineout consultant maybe to sort it out, and yeah, it's changed now, isn't it? Maybe we need to, uh, you know, sort the scrum. The out. scrum doctor. Well, that was what I was going to ask you next. Is the scrum a bit of a worry? How much of it was Dan Cole's gamesmanship? Was it badly refereed? Does any of that matter? Are you concerned about about Wales's scrum and how it looks heading into World Cup? I'm not massively concerned about it. No, I think that early on we were, certainly this weekend or earlier on, we were very much under the pump, weren't we? And then Nicky got, he got one over on him, didn't he? And we seemed to win a couple of scrums. There was, I thought, I think there was a fair bit going on up front. I mean, we need a, we need a front rower in here really to talk about it, don't we? Yeah. But, Dan Cole, he was up. I think he was up to all sorts. I think um, he was. I thought Gozer generally lost control of the match. Actually, there was a lot of a lot of things that I think people would look at and say that was the wrong was, call. That was the wrong yeah. call. You know, even even things actually like bigger jumping into that challenge it was contact with the head. It was yeah. a bit of a reckless. It was a bit of a reckless one. So generally, I think he kind of lost. He lost control of the game. And at the scrum, I think he made his mind up fairly early on that. That England had the better of it, and Cole was was kind of boring. And that one where he's ended up at yeah. at the feet of at the feet of kind of our back row just looked very very dodgy to me. But again, that's up to us up to the line. Of the he two. looked on, he looked on an angle though, on on every one. He did. Um, apart from that first one, I thought he he just he just munched into the power there. But yeah. that yeah. said, yeah, it's it's something that we're gonna have to we're gonna have to address because there will be games when referees just make that make that call early on in their mind. So. I don't know, it's something that hasn't been much of a problem for Wales yeah. in recent times, but possibly well, could be. Yeah, it went very well in the Six Nations, didn't it? And hasn't gone hasn't gone you know too well in the first mm. the first two games, but it was significantly better than than you know the week before in England, I thought. Um you know, you wonder whether whether Jake Ball in the second row assists there as well. Um I suppose we're a little light as well in the in the um on the bench department army when the in terms of scrummaging when the boys come on I think you're right at the moment it feels that way and that strength and depth is something we've spoken about a lot it's something that we've been pretty confident in I suppose once you take Rob Evans out of that out of that equation where you've got two strong players you know I'd, I'd argue that neither Nicky Smith nor Rob Evans scrummaging is their is their strongest suit it's with, with Rob Evans, I think it's ball carrying and getting around the park. Nicky Smith is almost another back rower in the mould of what Gethin Jenkins did in terms of what he does at the breakdown. Did he he well. did, and it's really interesting to see who's going to be who's going to get the nod there. I know Rob Evans has had a, has had a couple of knocks, which I think is why he's not not featured in either of his games. But it'll be interesting to see if he gets some game time, and I think he's going to be one of those players who has got a, a starting place to play for. Mm. Yeah, that is a, an interesting one, isn't it? Because I seem to think they were favouring, you know, Nicky. I know Rob had a number of injuries, but he he's made made some big yards, hasn't he? You know, Nicky, in terms of uh, the scrum, you know, scrummaging seems to run a lot better. Um, and I was really pleased with the way that he turned that around. Yeah, I, I think so. And for me, the two, I'm not sure. I'm not sure Gatland knows which of those is his starting loose head. I think he's. Seen something in Nicky Smith he really likes at the breakdown. He was probably the number one in the autumn. Picked up a knock, couldn't get back in time to to 
to kind of reclaim his shirt for the Six Nations. Rob Evans does a fine job during Six Nations. He's now picked up a knot. I, th- I think that's one of those positions that is absolutely up for grabs there. Yeah, I'm with you. What do you think about Tom Francis? Because he seemed to. He seemed I thought Genge gave him a bit of a showing over in Twickenham. Yeah, Genge, Genge was causing him a few a few problems again. I thought. Yeah, I agree. Which but, is surprising. Yeah, and it's the, look. New, this is probably neither of our uh, neither of our strongest seats. I mean, but so all you can kind of go on is is the result. But I'd suggest it's probably one of the areas that that perhaps the Welsh set up aren't as pleased with as as the rest of it, as great as the line-out's going, as good as the line speed was back to, kind of back to almost its best yesterday. The scrum, I think, will be something that, that is a little bit of a worry, but these things can change very, very quickly, so hopefully that will happen in time for the game against Ireland in a fortnight. Mm. All right, we've got a couple more to go on front five. Let's not finish, but this, this will be the penultimate one then. So style of play. This all felt a little bit Wales 2015 for me. A lot of damn bigger kicks in the air, which he chased brilliantly at times. There were a couple of loose ones. I'm not too worried about that. But again, it was built on line speed, breakdown, cute tactical kicking game, and then trying to take your chances when you can. Is that a fair assessment of it? And more so, does it matter? Or is it? do we need to be looking at a more expansive game? That is a fair assessment, and for me, no, it doesn't matter because. Can you win a World Cup playing like that? Yeah. If you get, you know, if everything's on a. If you put the ball on a sixpence mm. and, you know, we're doing it well every time and we're. Yeah, then, yeah, you can because you've got to play towards your strengths, haven't you? And we've said this quite a few times that a lot of the, a lot of the sides that have won World Cups, they're not playing fancy rugby all mm. the way through at anything but. Um, we, did, we did show some glimpses, though, I thought. Of, of expansive, you know, Alan Wynn. We did. Times, yeah, Wynn. yeah, it's true. There was a lot of there was a lot of very strange things where Hadley Parks was winding up a mispass for what felt like a minute, and you know, firing these these big risky long mispasses out to the wing, and they they were the kind of things that made me think, right, this they're the things that separate it from being a Six Nations game or being a an also international or a rugby world cup game I don't think you're taking those risks in those environments if he'd have taken a risk in one of those and it got picked off by Jonathan Joseph alright it's unfortunate and if we lose the game maybe there is a knock on effect but I think when you play the, you play those percentages more often than not he's not taking those risks so I don't know I, I feel like there's, there's more to there's more to come in that regard I hope there is there is a bit more to sleep. I don't think it's as straightforward, and I know we're going to get on and talk about this later. I don't think it's as straightforward as just having a running 10 versus having someone like Dan Bigger. I think there is a bit more to it than that. But it's it's good to have that weapon in our armoury anyway. You, you know, and, and I know our good pal Yeston will be listening to this going, please don't advocate a kick and chase game. But when it comes to those big tight games, having that as a weapon and knowing that bigger can chase his kicks re- down and make four yards, yeah, I don't know how yeah. he regathers those. I mean, some of them he's got no right really to get to, yeah. and, and he just does. Um, yeah, I thought he had a massive game, really, really impressive game. Um, but it's, he hasn't, he hasn't, um, he hasn't a huge amount of rugby under his belt, does he? In in a Welsh shirt, no, he's been coming on in 10, 15 minute bursts and. So from there he can he can play a tactical game to, most of those games we've been in a winning position he's come on to close it out which is very very different isn't it it is very different very very different and he went well he did he went do well we, there's more to come 
Do Wales have time to explore other options at 10? People like Jared Evans, I mean, Patchell seems to have dropped off the radar massively to think he was the starting 10 in that summer tour to Argentina. I can't, at, the moment, at the moment, I can't see him going. At the moment, yeah. I kind of think that, that Jared is going to go as a second 10 and they might not even take three. It certainly seems that way, doesn't it? I don't think we've got... I mean, Bigger's going to be the number one, isn't mm. it? Absolute shooing. And, you know, if Jared... If Jared gets the the second ten shirt, then we've got something genuinely different, haven't we? Um, but I think bigger is he's he is underrated, and he has got a running game. He does he brings the best out of other players. I think that it's just going to take a bit of time for the rest of the backs to to sort of get used to playing with him again because Anscombe's had the shirt for for a long time. Yeah, and that is that is definitely the disruption. You're right in terms of being underrated. Because I think when it comes to these these huge games, the mentality is so important. And we've said this before, but Danbiger just seems to thrive on the pressure. And when other players start to get those little bits of self doubt creep in, he seems to he seems to not feel it. And if anything, wants to go out and, and prove himself even more. So that's the thing that I think is, is really underrated about him. We all know what a great kicker he is. We all know how brilliant he is under the high ball and, and chasing his own kicks and things like that. And, so, and some of those those kicks for touch yesterday were absolutely massive and he was really going for it. Huge kicks. The penalty the penalties he was booming into yeah. the corners as, yeah, well, yeah. as well. They were they were right down by the t- by the by the touch flag, weren't they? And I think he he helps out Gareth Davis a lot, who we know can can score wonderful tries, mm. but there's elements to his game which you know which are which are uh, below par, aren't they? So he helps out there, and then if we look at number eight, so we've lost you know we've lost our world class eight and arguably our world class nine, or maybe not arguably. So eight and nine gone. Bigger comes in, super, you know, supremely confident. We're, we're lucky. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and that is testament to the strength in depth. We're going to be having a look in the second half at what changes Dan would make for the games against Ireland. We're also going to be rattling through some of the questions that you've sent in for us as well. So make sure you stay tuned and listen to that after this very short break. Welcome back to the Attacking Scrum podcast. Well, let's talk about Ireland, Dan. Final, uh, Final point in front five. What changes are you going to make if you're Warren Gatland? Ten. Jared Evans would come in at ten for me, and for an- both games or for are you just, we just going one at a time? You going for the, the game of the fortnight? Yeah. Yeah. So first up, and um, one, we need to see how Gareth Davis plays with him as well. So there's no point changing the nine, is there? Are you, are you a bit worried about that though? If Gareth Davis were to get injured, obviously. There's a knock with, with Thomas yeah. Williams as well. He's got a race against fitness. He'll need some game time. Plus, there is a, there is a potential danger there. Webb's yeah. not available. You know, down to that, I know it could be your one-man campaign to get Lloyd Williams in the squad, but it, become, it becomes tricky then if you were to lose, if you were to lose Gareth Davis. It's, it's a really tricky job. It is, now. yeah, but we have to, don't we? Don't you think? We need to see how, he's, how he'd fare up with, with Jared and then the rest of the, you know, Couple of the outside backs, so but that nine and ten is that nine and ten actually is, is key, isn't it? So I we'll, we'll know after a half how that's how that's going to fare up. Um, they've got to have a bit of game time together, I think. And Gareth, you know, Gareth is someone I think that will uh, will be all right. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know what you're basing that on. It could happen. At, it could happen at any point. I think you're right, though. You, like we said at the start of the show, you've kind of got to go into each game thinking that players aren't going to get injured because they could get injured in training, like Toby did. They could get injured at any point. It could be, you know, if they get, if they get injured in the first minute of the game against Australia, they're gone. Yeah. It, it could happen at absolutely any point. So I do agree with that. I just worry that whether maybe he's played played those two games. I think out of the two fixtures, I'd probably be targeting this third one as being a, a stronger setup. I think the fourth one, I would be sending out all the resis for a for a game. You know, I'd be so, I'd be resting everyone for that final game. I think. So you agree, and then for Jared to play ten, then I think so. I mean, I'm look. You know me. I, you, I'm always starting. Yeah, I'm always happy to watch Jared Evans play. Thing is, then do you have do you keep the centre partnership the same because? For him to for him to see, for him to well, see, we've got a lot of players in there who haven't had any game time yet. You know, do you take three or four centres, for example? Right. So Owen Watkins, I don't know, has he, has he got on in these games? If he has, it's not been for very long. John Fox, we know what he can do. Hadley Parks, I think, has acquitted himself pretty well in both these games, and we know what he's able to do. Thought he was very direct, wasn't he? Yeah. Listen. Yeah. And you know, some of those busts against England where he's cut back a, a great line. I think. Those two are going to be the first choice centres for Wales, barring any injury disasters. So then it's a question of whether you take three or four centres. So you either take Watkin or Scott Williams as a backup. You take both of them. You know, and then in the three-man option, you have George North covering as a as a as a centre. You know, not not for not for starting options, but. Would it be a waste taking a, a fourth centre? And, and if that's the case, then I think you've got to give Scott Williams and, and I'm not a chance to go out there and, and book their place yeah, on the plane. but this is where it gets tricky, isn't it? Because if we need to see Jared, if, if Bigger gets a knock, we need to see Jared at 10. If he's playing, say he's, say he's starting this game with Gareth Davis yeah. at 9, and there's a different centre partnership, I mean, he's going to need that support. So I think actually we're probably going to have to play at least Hadley at 12 yeah and then probably wrap up Jonathan really okay yeah I think that's um, a fair point and, and make make a change in the outside channel uh, the outside centre line and just keep that yeah. 9, 10, 12 just so we can see and then maybe one of the maybe one of the starting wingers will have to stay there as well so we can see how he runs off the in, like some mm. of the inside lines with the you know North coming in or uh, uh, or Josh Adams but North I think has played really well so mm. I, I think he's uh, just resting up now because we know that he's quite likely to get injuries. But Adams has had a few knocks, hasn't he? So yeah, give him a bit more time. There's lots of players who we've we've yet to see, and I'm, I can I completely understand Gatlin's thoughts in in picking his strongest or close to his strongest side in in both those games. Now I think it is a chance for some of the fringe players to come in, and we've said numerous times on this: if you make 15 changes, it's very hard to get that continuity and you don't necessarily learn a lot. But I do think there's a few players in there who are going to need to have a crack at this and, and see if there's a chance of them making it onto the plane. I agree, I think Jared Evans needs some time to see what, what he is capable of doing and and show if he can handle international rugby. I'd like to see someone like Owen Lane who could be an absolute bolter mm-hmm. for, for the World Cup. See him. And again, could be cover for you at centre in, in theory. So I'd like to see that. There's yeah, there's lots of different combinations in the backs. We haven't seen anyone like Jonah Holmes yet either. You know, he's 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 been in the the last two big international squads. 
Is he actually going to make it to the World Cup? I'm not so sure at the moment. I think I think having half penny backs a massive boost for that. So it's okay. yeah, it's tricky. And then that's you know, and then you get on into the pack. We haven't seen the likes of you know. I, I can't see Rhys Carey making it there, but he's in, you know he, he would offer you something completely different in the in the tight forwards and and that big ball carrying option. So there's lots of other things to have a look at. Corey Hill, of course, will need a bit of game time. So there's, there's, I don't know. There's there's loads of things. Next week we'll we'll kind of pick our side for those games, but anyone out of those kind of players who we've mentioned that you're really keen to have a look at. Looking forward to seeing Watkin um, get some game time. Mm-hmm. Corey Hill, if we can get the microphone out of his hand, he's <laughs> we, you know what he you know what he can do, don't you? But I think he does need to he does need to get on the park. I enjoyed um, the birthday shout out to Jumbo. Yeah. That as well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't. Um, I was. I was. It was. Uh, it was Thomas. Thomas rather than yeah, Robin, Thomas. Robin, yeah. Robin Benjamin, yeah. Um, I'm just, look, I mean, we, we mentioned. I'm really looking forward to seeing Jared. Yeah, I, re- I was excited for him to get on against England because I think that would be the. That was a proper proper game. Yeah, it was a right old ding dong, wasn't it? And it felt like a Six Nations game. Yeah, it did I tell you what I loved was the the blatant play on. Yeah. After where they oh, all piled into sync, yeah, they must have been. Yeah, you know, from a from a competitive point of view, I like it. You know, I don't, I don't want it to be any kind of like pile on off the pitch, and but I think it's I think it's it's a good part of, of gamesmanship on the field as long as they're all shaking hands afterwards. We all know that you can you can kind of prompt the reaction out of it, and it prompted a reaction out of the other players as well. And and Alan Wynn perfectly captained that as well. That's my fault, sir. Yeah. I didn't hear yeah, it. Yeah. Of course he did. Of course he did. I would wager that he's that he said, yeah, let's pile in, you know, yeah. and everyone's following him into battle. Moriarty so. coming in just fairly late on at the end, yeah. just sort of flopping on them and <laughs> Yeah, it was good. There was a there was a bit of bit of spice in there. Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. And I think you're right that England Wales games will always have a bit of spice in there. And I'm just yeah, I'm glad for us to get out of that get out of those two games with uh, with at least one win and uh, and I think a big a big kind of confidence boost there let's move on to some of the listeners questions then let's have a pick through these where shall we begin right I, I suppose we'll we better uh, we better have a look at Jamie Phillips who's probably the most serial tweeter of anyone in the within Welsh rugby any any other podcast you listen to that we want Jamie's questions on there every week so I'm glad he's uh, he's still listening to us and he says was bigger and Gatland right so we were bigger and Gatlin right to call out JJ Williams after his comments. What's your take on that, Dan? I'm not sure whether um, JJ should have been asked in the first place, really, for for his comments. Really? Um, I mean, we say yeah, it, given our given our opinion every week, and we're not we haven't achieved anything like what JJ Williams has achieved. No, I mean, but it's slightly different, isn't it? Because we're some you know the journalists have gone to him mm. and said, "Can we have a can we have a comment?" Knowing really before he's answered the question, what he's going to say. Um, I just can't really see what 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 positive could come out of come out of that. But yeah, I think they're entitled to say to say what they did because um, JJ's been pretty forthright, and he always has been as a you know whenever he's been involved with the media, he's always had you know strong. You know, strong uh, opinions on, yeah. on on players, and he's been he's been really critical over the years. Which which actually I'm fine with. I don't have a problem with that whatsoever. I would rather someone came out with a strong opinion than was overly matey 
as some as some ex pros have been in the past, where you've just got them sat in a studio, giving you kind of sound bites and uh, you know churning out the same old stuff because they're too close to the current playing crop to be actually yeah. critical about it. But there's a way of I, saying it. Yeah, that you said you know he's going to put us back twelve months. I mean, what? How? What? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I'm I'm kind of playing devil's advocate to a certain degree here because I. I don't think he's right. I don't think there is any other option at ten whatsoever, and I hope that we're able to to create to be creative enough behind the scrum with Dan Bigger at the helm because he, he is a proven match winner mm. from the as we said in the first half from the mentality point of view. So yeah, I, I just think I know you like the fact that you know people can voice their voice their opinions, and I, I like I like that as well. I think you can, but I think there's just a way of doing it. There is, and he got it wrong for me. I, yeah, and you look foolish if he goes out and puts in a man of the match performance. And that, to be honest, I quite like the response as well. You know, I like the fact that Dan Biggers turned around and said, "Well, you know, I use that as a bit of extra motivation." And if you, yeah, you know, if you want to, if you want to stick your head above the parapet and criticise me, expect me to do the same back to you. And I think Gats did the same. And for me, it's testament to the tight knit group that there is within that dressing room. You know, if a journalist or a, an ex-pro or whoever is going to have a, a pundit is going to have a pop at one of the current crop. They're going to stand their ground and, and stick up for them. So, I think he was absolutely right. Both of them were right to to kind of to mention JJ in the in the comments. But at the same time, JJ is entitled to his opinion. Right. Let's have a look at this one. This is from uh, Pete Harris. When will Rob McBride get his knighthood? Slightly tongue in cheek, but he is a bit of a an unsung hero in all of this mix. Really, it's. You know, we've always spoken about Gatland and Edwards. He's done a fantastic job over the years of getting this this pack into being a, a really mean competitive outfit. Yeah, he has. The pack struggled, didn't it, in the in the early part for you know a good number of years. No, oh, yeah. really. Um, and there's always been part of the there's always been part of the set piece that hasn't quite fired, hasn't it? You know, line has gone really well, scrum hasn't gone too well the, the other way around. But um, yeah, with the you know, with the resources we've got, I think he's done he's done a very good job, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, he has. Well, he, I mean, the resources are a lot better than than what they were. You look at the back row options now, even with with Toby having been injured for over a year, and you've you've still got such a fantastic back row, even with no Ellis Jenkins in there. There's so many different options that. But they've worked with as well, haven't they? They've worked with them, and yeah, they have. But those you know those those players have come through the the squad system. What I, what I've been impressed with is how they've been able to. To have a really a, a, throughout these these twelve years or however long it's been, we have had a very competitive pack throughout the vast majority of that, and that's to to keep them as a as a really tight unit. I think is something that that he definitely deserves some credit for. Something we didn't mention in when we were kind of talking about the the potential selection for the Ireland games. This one comes from Ian Alexander. Who do you play at eight for the next few games? Is it Navidi? Do you give? Wainwright ago or an outside bet on the Sheriff what would you be doing in uh, in that scenario okay so I thought that Navidi was incredible I thought he was absolutely outstanding I think he could have been man and, actually. yeah the, mo- the moment he came on we looked like a different side whenever he plays Wales seemed to play well yeah. he was everywhere wasn't he massive dominant tackles if we were in attack he's the f- he was the, the second you know first man there after the, after the guy was running um just a monumental display. To think that he's had this injury as well, mm. it's frightening. Um, 
he's somebody that we really can't afford to lose. I thought Moriarty had a big game as well. Yeah, I did. He was in everyone's faces. He was doing a couple of the cute things, holding on to Courtney Laws. Mm. You know, he schooled him a couple of times. Um, I know he had a... There's the odd daft penalty in there, but... There was. There always is, though, isn't there? But it, it's difficult because you, you can't... We can... I think we can be wary of being a little bit critical with um, with Moriarty because Falatao has can do every single element, can't he, of what a number eight does? Yeah. So sometimes you can think, oh, he's just smashing people and he makes a big hit and is, is you know, is in, in someone's face and we need a bit more than that. But that's what he does. Yeah. Because um, re- really, I think he's a blind side. Do you? Yeah, I think he is a blind side. I think he's a blind side doing a very good job yeah. of being a, and he's, a top, a top yeah. international class number eight. And he is a, and he is a top class number eight, isn't he? He's, He's not quite world-class at eight, I'd say, but he's doing a very, very good mm. job. So it's a tricky one for this eight position because we can't lose... We don't want to lose Moriarty. And, but for me, the man we really don't want to lose is Navidi. So I... It's, a, it's an interesting shout on Wainwright mm. because I... I would like to see, I would like to, to see that. And in, are these games the ones to... To, to try out things, yeah, of course they are. Yeah, they are. So, could we, could we, could we, could we see him at eight? Why not? I mean, he seems to be. There was a, a piece somewhere today, probably Wales Online, but they'd kind of like taken Gatland. Had, in fact, it might have been the Argus actually had focused in on Gatland's comments about Wainwright and how impressed he's been and how he seems to be learning from every single game he's playing because he's still such an inexperienced yeah. player. But he looks so at home at, oh, at international level, yeah. and I think if everyone's, even if Toby was fit, he would be going to to Japan, and he certainly yeah, is. Yeah, I agree with you. He had a big game, didn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah, great line out. Well, we spoke about the yeah. line out, how well it went. He was massive to that, and physicality is um, impressive because you don't look at him and think, "Oh, he's massive. He's a bit." I, I mean, you do if you see him in real life, but yeah. you wouldn't necessarily think, "Oh, he's a he's a huge," but but he is. He's kind of like he's, big and rangy and strong. Yeah. And, Natural strength, I think. Well, it's interesting. When a bit we, like Shingler, actually. When we spoke to, um, when when we spoke to, name slipped my mind now. Good go on. Uh, uh, ben Pegner. Ben Pegner, yeah. And Ben said that his father had that that real natural strength yeah, yeah, yeah. that he didn't need to train in the gym. He was just, you know, I think if he looked at a weight, he, he, <laughs> he was he was really powerful. You can see that with with Wainwright as well, can't you? He's obviously come down in the genes. He also does that little. He steps very well, so he can read the games. He's so he's so bright, isn't he? Upstairs, and he's got a real rugby brain, footballer's brain on him. That he just steps out of the contact, mm. and it just makes a big difference. And the one where we saw that really well was where the ball went out wide. It yeah. was man and ball. He just managed to faint right. Yeah. And someone else came in, moved again, then that offload. I mean, he's you know, he's been playing for a couple of years. It's... Yeah, and the confidence to do that, I think, is really encouraging. Yeah. yeah. So, so you re- you reckon? Wayne Ryan at eight for at least one of these games inside. At least for one of the games, yeah. I'd, I'd be happy with that. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see how he how he performs there. So, Josh Navidi, you'll wrap it up in cotton wool for the remainder of this, or he'll probably have one more. He'll probably have a half, I mm. think. But um, I, I, yeah, we just can't afford to lose him. So yeah, wrap him up. Get, get, give him give him a half, and then literally, that's it. Interesting. We can't lose him. Fair enough. Um, all right, let's stick with the back row for a minute. This one came in from Robert Giannotti. He said, "Who would be who would start blindside in the Australia game?" 
let's fast forward to that crucial World Cup pool game. What would your what would your back row for that be as it stands down? If that game was uh, if that game was next weekend, who would you be picking? So I'd have Moriarty at eight. Yeah. Um, Davidi at six, and Tipperick at seven. Okay. This is the Grand I, Slam back row. Yeah. Now, I. I have thought about shifting Navidi, Navidi to eight, Tipperick is seven, and Wainwright is six. Are you leaving out Moriarty? Be, yeah, because, and having Moriarty on the bench, because Wainwright is, he, he genuinely is getting better with every game. But I, I Moriarty for me at the moment is, is you know, has just done enough to get that, you know, to keep that, keep that eight, that eight shirt. Yeah, I, I think Moriarty is is as close to a specialist eight as you've got in there. I know Navidi can do a very good job at eight. Like we said, I think Wainwright probably has the, the attributes to do it in certain games. I think Mori- in that game, Moriarty is playing eight if he's fit. He has to, which then leaves two berths up for grabs. You know, it's easy for t- to look at Tipperick to be a little bit kind of out of sight, out of mind at the moment. But we know what class yeah. he is when he's when he's fully fit, and Navidi has to feature in there. So I would be going Navidi at six, Tipperick at seven, and, and Moriarty yeah. at eight, like you said. But yeah, I, I think having Aaron Wainwright on the bench and knowing you can bring him on at any point, and he's going to do a really good job for you, I think is a really uh, a really exciting position to have in. So I, I fully expect him to feature heavily during the World Cup, providing touch wood he stays injury free. Yeah, touch that wood. <laughs> Uh, right, well, that pretty much brings us to a close for this week. Uh, enjoyed being back, Dan. It's good. Yes, yeah, it has been nice having a break, isn't it? It's, it's been no nice having a break, that, but it is it is good to get back. But we always enjoy these wins when we beat England, don't we? And um, but yeah, really exciting, exciting spell now. There is, and, the and yes, we will be back next week. Uh, we're going to because it's the bank holiday. We're going to release on the Tuesday, uh, so an extra day to wait. But in the meantime. We will have that Ross Harris special out for you on Thursday, so make sure you have a listen to that. Uh, really enjoyed that, actually. It was a really good, really, really good chat with him. And uh, I don't think you get a sense, you know, when Ross has presented Scrum 5 or Premier Sports or anything like that, I don't think you realise how much of a, a rugby brain the guy's got. He's just an absolute, well, for want of a better word, an absolute anorak for it. You know, he, he knows everything about Welsh rugby history and uh, and it really kind of comes across in the book it's a really interesting blend of um, stories from, from different people who were there at, at different points in, in Welsh rugby history the highs and the lows and the and the, the downright bizarre so it's a brilliant read I'd encourage anyone to uh, anyone with a, the slightest bit of interest in Welsh rugby which presumably you will have if you're listening to us too later on about it uh, to, to make sure you get your hands on a copy Um but yeah, as I say, we'll be giving away a signed copy on Twitter this week. So make sure uh, you check that out. It'll be on our pinned tweets later in the week. Uh, finally, big thanks again to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. Hopefully we're catching up with uh, with Scott Otten, the Ospreys hooker and the, the founder of So Coffee. Uh, we'll be catching up with him soon. And uh, they've got some exciting plans both on and off the pitch. So we're good to catch up with Scott and have a chat with him. And uh, yeah, make sure you download the specials in the meantime. But we'll be back to talk rugby with you very, very soon. Sports 
Social Podcast Network.